Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of 5-Minute Major Radio. Dave here, along with my broadcast partner crime, Matt Messer-Giovanni. Matt, how's it going tonight? It's going well, it's going well. Good to hear, good to hear. Welcome back after a little bit of a, a weekly absence there. Hope you did a <laughs> fine job filling in for you, though. But uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, lots lots to talk about, obviously. Um, trade deadline's coming up less than a week away into that, and there's some rumors about a potential reunion. We'll touch on that on those thoughts later. Um, but, Matt, to start off the hop, you know, we got to address kind of, you know, the last couple of Flyers games that have happened. There's been two good and I would say kind of a, a quasi-bad. Yeah. Um, of course, last Thursday at a, an important away game, um, a very crucial 6-2 to win over the Florida Panthers in Florida. Um, was Hart in it for that game or was it Elliott? It was uh, Hart. Yeah, Hart was. Yeah. Um, Hart, another good row game, played well. Um, an, an, an important game for the standings and in a week where the Flyers played um, the Panthers twice and they got two out of two wins so chalked it up as a success um, you would have it would have been nice to take that momentum in with that win into Saturday against Tampa Bay who started out the year not so hot and pissed off and angry and now they're probably the best team in the league um, and of course Flyers the victim again of, you know, something we've said many times on this podcast over the years of our friendship, Matt, uh, the team not playing a full 60. They had a very bad first period and then played catch up. Um, imagine if they had played a full 60, they probably win that game Saturday against yep. Tampa. Um, and of course, then you followed up going to last night's victory um, where they only had 15 shots on net, but scored five goals. And um, in a huge game that jumped them from second wild card to third in the division um, with that victory, 5-1 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets and with Claude Giroux becoming the all-time leader in power play assists. And it all sets up to tomorrow night's game, which concludes the season series against the Blue Jackets. And if they can win again tomorrow night, um, that really cements their holding within the division and Second seeds getting in, in distance, and as is the first seed in the division because the Capitals are in a free fall right now. So, um, Matt, I'll kind of hand you the talking stick for a little bit here, and um, just overall, what have been your thoughts over these past couple of games? Um, I mean, honestly, with that with that Tampa game, I can't really take away too much negativity from that because. Aside from, I think I didn't get to watch some of the game, but it it just looked like the, like you said, the Flyers didn't play a full sixty, uh, down two nothing after the first period, um, down three nothing at one point, and then Ivan Provorov got them on the board uh, in the second period, and then they just kind of kept battling back a little bit, and then fell short uh, ultimately uh, at the end of the day, giving the Lightning their was it their 11th win yep. in a row? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, a team as hot as the Lightning at that point, I wasn't really, like, too bummed out about that loss. And it, it wasn't – it also wasn't a division game. So, I'm like, all right, like, it obviously blows because we lost two points in the standings at a crucial time like this. But, like, it didn't hurt too much as it would have against, like, uh, if – like, that Islanders loss – 
mm-hmm. when the Islanders scored with 38 seconds left after the Flyers came oh, all the way back from three nothing. I still just I hate that feeling now where it's like those huge games and they just let you down. But um, I mean that going back before the Tampa game, that Florida game in Florida was huge. Uh, I feel like the Flyers have had their struggles in Florida uh, recently. Florida has obviously become a lot better of a team than they have in the past few seasons. And despite, I guess, I don't know, I don't really know factual-wise what their home uh, attendance is, but it doesn't seem like it gets too big of a crowd there. Empty seats, Mastro. Empty All right. seats. So, I, yeah, the, the age-old dress-like-a-seat night, I guess, a lot down in Sunrise. But, um, I mean, hey, that's, a, that's another big win. Obviously, it's a good bounce-back win after that. Just, again, absolutely heartbreaking Islanders loss in Brooklyn on Tuesday. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, moving on to last night, great win. Uh, even better to be there in person. That's um, true. Kevin Hayes taking it to the bank. Uh, just that great bank shot, a fortuitous bounce. I see what you did there. Of, off of Elvis uh, to open the scoring, and then Couturier... Just I think just over a minute later on the breakaway, mm-hmm. made it two nothing, and the Flyers didn't play extremely sharp, but they played well enough. And um, I think their Twitter account like was like the NHL PR tweeted something about the Flyers scoring five goals on fifteen shots, and then the team account quoted the tweet and just said efficiency. Yep. Which, I mean, hey, yep. I'll take it. If they're scoring a goal on every three shots throughout the game, I'm fine with that. Exactly. But that was an I, – I mean, this is a huge week for the Flyers with uh, that game last night, which I'm glad they won. And then just an even bigger challenge again to beat the Blue Jackets back-to-back and home-and-home. Um, on the road, I want to hear that cannon as least amount of times as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're just hoping that they can take that momentum against a team that they should beat twice in a week and obviously translate that to tomorrow night. So, um, But again, I mean, last night, all-around good win. Uh, Hart played really well. Only had to make... I'm trying to think how many shots did they have. Oh, he made made 28 saves. So Hart... I mean, Hart had an active game, um, but... I mean, Merzlikens got pulled after, I believe, I want to say the After the fourth, fourth goal. After the yeah. fourth goal. After the fourth goal, Elvis had left the building. Yeah. At least had left the goal crease. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Flyers' power play was one for one last night, which was nice. Um, again, like you said earlier, uh, that power play goal from Jake Voracek, but also just a beautiful assist from oh. our captain Claude Giroux uh, to get his flyer record 235th power play assist to break Bobby Clark's record and become the all-time leader in power play assists for the franchise. So it was cool to see that. I didn't even realize that he had a chance to do that last night, so that was cool. And I was just hoping that when he went down to his knees and I'm like, if he somehow makes a play out of this, that's going to be unreal. And then it turns out it was also a record breaker. And I was like, that's sick. And a so, tic-tac-toe passing sequence that yeah. ended in a goal. So. Yep. 
But I mean, they were they were firing on all cylinders for the most part last night, and I'm just really hoping they can do it again. These division games are just going to be huge, obviously going down the stretch here into March. Um, and I mean, Winnipeg Sunday. That's not not an easy opponent to overlook. Winnipeg's they've on had, Saturday. Sorry, yeah, Saturday. Uh, but I mean, they've had their struggles. But again, it's one of those things where the Flyers can't look past any team at this point, no matter how good or how bad they've been doing. So. It's just kind of, I mean, every game from here on out, we've said this before, is going to be more important than the one before. Mm-hmm. And no matter who it's against, you got to take care of business. So um, I'm just hoping they can keep it going here. Exactly. Last night's game was huge. I only got to about, about to, uh, only had to, got to watch about, I want to say, half of the game. Yeah. Where I had to lead for a good old uh, beer league there. But um, in the, in the, portion i was watching um it looked pretty even with columbus you know having more of the dictation in play but mm-hmm. the flyers taking better chances of their taking better you know opportunities with their chances and they chase arguably the hottest goalie in the league right now i mean elvis yeah. Lakins has only been in the league not even half the year maybe like two months and he's already leading the league in shutouts which is ridiculous yeah. Um, but lately the blue jackets have been on a tear lately. And I think they've, you know, you look at their overall roster and, you know, Seth Jones is out for all, I think the rest of the season, that's a huge loss to their defense. And if you look at the rest of their roster, they've really only got Zach Wierenski is the only star name. Pierre Dubois is an up and coming star. Oliver Bjorkstrand's been kind of a piece they've been wanting to get more out of. He's kind of comparable to Travis Konechny. Um, yep. He's their leading goal scorer right now. But other than that, you know, if, if if you took the two teams on paper, you would go and say the Flyers should win because they're a better team. And last night, you know, you got a, you got a superb effort out of Carter Hart, who has now got impeccable stats on home ice, um, as, I mean, as do the Flyers. Um, but a huge win and a, a really, really good win, a record, record-breaking win for our good old captain, um, as we've touched already, but just absolutely, like, when you needed to get a win and yeah. you needed to kind of, you know, really get this, because this city is going to be, the city is skeptical this year. There's, you know, Flyers Twitter is split right now. Flyers fandom is split. There are people who are going all in on this team, and there's people who are going, I still don't know. Um and I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm I'm yeah. starting to lean towards more. This team is legit, and this is the start of a of a, of a new era. Yep. Um, but the part of me goes, well, you know, if they can't if they can't do a full sixty against better teams, they're not gonna be successful moving forward. But you know that happens. Tampa's hottest team in the league right now. So, um, but moving forward, Matt, you're absolutely right. These games aren't gonna get any easier. The teams who are out of the playoff mix are going to look to play spoiler. Um, and there are some games now where division games almost become four-point games. Um, yep. I mean, l- luckily, the next three Flyers games to end February are on home ice, so that bodes incredibly well. We've got the Jets on Saturday. Should beat. Defense is trash, but Connor Hellbuck's having a Vesna-caliber-like season. San Jose Sharks coming to town next Tuesday night. Flyers should absolutely beat. The Sharks are a defeated team. No Logan Couture. No Thomas Hurdle. No Eric Carlson. You've got a washed up Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton. There is absolutely no reason 
the San Jose Sharks should beat the Flyers on home ice Tuesday night. And then you've got a huge Metropolitan matchup on a Friday night, some Friday night hockey at home against the New York Rangers. Who the Rangers, while they are a little bit buried in the in in the standings, you know, mathematically, they're still in it. They're kind of like what the Flyers were last year. Mm-hmm. So these are three, three crucial games that we have ahead of us here going forward that, you know, if the Flyers can get, um, well, the next four, if you can count tomorrow night, if the Flyers get all eight available points, that's awesome. Because if they do get eight points and things fall the way they would like them to fall with the other teams in the division losing, um, if they get eight points, guess what? They're first in the division. If Pittsburgh loses their remaining games in that time span and time span and as do the Washington Capitals, which probably isn't going to happen. But if you can get eight points, you're sitting comfortably at 81 points, which is almost what your full total was last year. And now you really cement yourself in one of the, you know, second or third or maybe even first seed in the division. And whereas now you're probably looking at hosting a you know a playoff series if you can maintain that spot um you know right now obviously matt we, we're going to touch on this you know the flyers currently you know they're 33 20 and 7 with 73 points um even though they're third in the division now the the islanders and the carolina hurricanes both have 72 points and they're in the top wild card top wild card seeds so right now so it's crazy and, and columbus is right there too you know, the, the remaining teams in the division that are in the playoff hunt that are really, really close, unlike the Rangers, all have 72 points. So, you know, a, any loss is, is detri- it's not it's not detrimental, but it's it's very unwanted at this point just because of how this the league has their playoffs uh, structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be uh, it's going to be definitely that age old. uh jostling for position in the standings at this point where these teams like the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, and the Islanders that are so close together in the standings are going to be fighting tooth and nail to claim their rightful spot in the playoffs, whether it be one of the wild cards or even probably, I would say, realistically, third place in the division with the Penguins and the Capitals. But, I mean, again... You never know how things are going to go uh, during the season, even with, what, maybe 20-something games left now? They played 60 games, so they've got 21 games left. Yeah. Um, and then just a couple things before we move on from last night's game that are actually uh, interesting statistics-wise uh, from uh, Bill Meltzer's um, – what am I trying to think of? His post-game article about the Flyers game. Sorry. Um, so – Giroux has been quietly on a six-game point streak and has had 11 games in the past. Not 11 games, sorry. 11 points in his last six games. Three goals and eight assists. Obviously, that one last night breaking the record from Bobby Clark. Um, Travis Konechny had a three-point night last night and has 51 points this season now, a new career high. So he's breaking through some ceilings, obviously. I'm I'm not not to interrupt you, Matt, but I'm wondering (laughs) who called on this podcast over saw, the summer, yeah, that Travis Konechny would this. have a career year this year. Yeah. I, I wonder who that was. <laughs> really, really struggling to think. Oh wait, it was me. Yeah, I'll let, <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you toot your own horn there. Toot toot. Um, but hey, good call by you. So, and then here, so here's the stat from last night. I think so. 
The game marked the first time in franchise history the Flyers have scored five goals on 15 or fewer shots. The closest such occasion was on December 21st, 1996, when they scored four goals on 15 shots in a 4-0 win over the Blues. So that was, I think, that was the stat that the team quoted with efficiency, which I agree with. Um, The Flyers... And also, the Flyers' defense has scored a goal in five straight games and continue to lead the NHL in goals from defensemen with 41 and have 20 points in that state in that span. I can't talk tonight, um, but I mean, again, Giroux's accomplishment last night wasn't really the only thing to look at. Where you have again guys like Konechny, the the younger, the next era of the team coming into their own and reaching new heights. And hopefully, just getting better from here. Um, but that's all I have to. That's all I wanted to say about that game before we move on. But should we hop into the old trade rumor mill? Yeah, just just qu- just quickly want to kind of address real quick before we move into the rumor mill here. Just how kind of cl- we were addressing how close things are in the standings with certain teams above them. Right now, the Capitals are in a kind of a spiral downfall. They're four and six in their last ten. Um, so who knows what's going to happen with them, but definitely if, if the Flyers can get in that second seed. That'd be awesome because uh, then you're hosting number three. And I'd, I would rather definitely host the Capitals than be on the road to them. But yeah. then again, uh, I have some crazy stat that I saw last night. I'm blanking on the numbers, but I think combined last year, the Flyers were 0-10-2 against the Capitals, Hurricanes, and Blue Jackets. And this year, they're like it's it's a almost Completely an undefeated different record. stat. Yeah, it's like it's like you just reverse it. Yeah, and which is that's a really really good sign. Um, but moving into trade rumor mills, Matt, I don't know if you have anything more, but the biggest rumor that I've seen um, weeks ago, and and then it died down a little bit, and now with the Kings trading to Foley. And Alec Martinez, you know, they're they're in full re- rebuild mode. Um, the Jeff Carter back to Philadelphia rumor is in full bore. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It's something that you know, um, in Jeff Carter's first go around this team, I wanted him out of here. I didn't like the way he conducted. I thought he played lazy. I thought he was a dick to fans. Um, great hockey player, um, but when he wanted to be. Um, and I think what he had to go in the, and then he, when he got traded to Columbus, he sulked around in sea Isle. you know, the blue jackets had to send RJ Umberger and Rick Nash, um, to go out and talk to him and convince him to come from sea Isle to Columbus, Ohio. He goes there, doesn't play so great, kind of slums around. Then he goes out to LA, gets reunited with his buddy, Mike Richards and also Simone Gagne. And then they go on to win two Stanley Cups each. We every every Flyers fan knows the story. Ex Flyer player goes on wins championships, stays elite, cool. Um, but you know, part part of me, uh, I, I'm willing to accept the Jeff Carter back on this Philadelphia Flyers squad. I, I feel as though that is he's matured as a player. He's become all around a much much better two way player, and he still has a cannon of a shot. Um, and in the right areas, he can be useful, especially if Nolan Patrick's not ready to go this season, or if he's not going to be ready to go till later in the playoffs and you want to use him sparingly. Um, 
adding Jeff Carter to a center depth that includes Claude Giroux slash Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes, that's pretty good. I like the sound of that. I mean, that's pretty. And, and you don't now you don't know where Carter's going to slot. You I mean they've used Hayes kind of as a two-three center, and Couturier's been a one-two when Giroux played center this year. You know, maybe they throw Carter back on the wing like they used to do back when you see her a couple times because he can play center or wing. Yeah. Um, and then and you add Jeff Carter in, you're getting a legitimate sniper. He's still got, I believe... Two years. He's got two years left on his deal, um, but he can still play. Yeah. Um, up his I mean, no, the, only, the only thing for me personally about the whole thing that would worry me would be the cap hit because, like, the Flyers have not a lot of room to work with money-wise. And Carter's contract isn't really too friendly to the Flyers situation. Uh, whereas, let's see. So, from Jordan Hall's article on NBC Sports Philadelphia, um, the Flyers have just over $2 million in cap space. Even with L.A. retaining 50% of Carter's cap hit, the Flyers would have to do some juggling. And then the fact that he has two more years left on his deal might ma- make things less appealing for the Flyers. So yeah, that, it's going to be, you, it, it's going to, I mean, like, like any trade, it's going to obviously require some reworking for the team, but it's going to make it a little bit more difficult because the Flyers don't have that much cap space to work with at, like at this point. So it might be kind of handcuffing them a little bit into possibly making this deal. Again, we don't know what's going to happen, but it's just, again, it's one of those things where, it's come back into the mix stronger this time as opposed to when we first heard it and we're like, really? But now we're like, meh, it could happen. Like, yeah. angels in the outfield, it could happen. Exactly. And, uh, I forget, Matt, if, if you address what his salary is right now because you actually cut out there on Skype for a second. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, his, so his cap hit now is $5 million just over 5.2 million okay he's under contract for the next two seasons and the flyers have just over two million dollars in cap space right so depending on depending on what la wants we have to give up and you hopefully you're hopefully going to try and get la to retain some salary um and they had the cap space to do it um it, it could be a really good ad i mean right now um, Carter's in, in, uh, 60 games played, he's had 17 goals and 10 assists, but you know, he's on an LA Kings team. That's absolute hot garbage. Um, and he's obviously not the player he used to be, but still 17 goals isn't bad for a a team that's offensively, you know, uh, hindered like the Kings are. Um, and you go ahead and you add that goal, that threat of that goal scoring onto a wing, you know, with a Sean Couturier, or even a Claude Giroux or Kevin Hayes, and he he can still skate. The hands are still there, the shots still there, and his legs are still there. And if you can add that element on this already Flyers team, I think it does. It gives them a little extra, you know, a little an oomph, yeah, oomphy pizzazz. And it would be a good add. Just the the money's gonna have to work out in some shape or fashion. And who knows if he's even gonna get traded. Um, Carter already came out and said that if he got traded from L.A., he would retire. But I think coming back to Philly, where he has history, 
and he's seeing that he still knows. I mean, him and Claude Drew were on the team together back in the yep. day. Um, and he, so he probably still knows some of the equipment managers around here. He still has connections. He's still coming to the place where he started his career and where he scored 46 goals at one point. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's saying, hey, you know what? I can go back to Philly. I can play there for two to end my career out. And with this team on the rise, who knows what can happen? Um, like I mentioned earlier, I, I was a little bit skeptical about it, but now more and more so. While Nolan Patrick is, you know, backed in regular practices and all that fun stuff, he's no guarantee. And well, it, it, I, I would rather have Patrick sit out this year and come into next year healthy. Yeah, and that's one of those things too, where I think, like, I was kind of scanning through some articles on NBC Sports Philadelphia, and. I think the next step for Patrick would be to get, I'm pretty sure his contract will, would allow it, but to send him down to Lehigh Valley for a conditioning stint. Yeah, he's on. Because, he's, he's actually on a two-way deal. Yeah, so he can go down to the I can't. I mean, there's. I can't imagine that they would just throw him right back in the mix of the NHL without playing for almost an entire season. So I think my thinking is, and I'm. I could be wrong, but my thinking is is that if he does play this year, it might be, I guess, deep in the playoffs if the Flyers make it that far, or he'll finish out the season with the Phantoms and then possibly play for them in the Calder Cup playoffs. Or maybe he finishes out the year with the Phantoms and then they call him up for the NHL playoffs. That that could yeah. be realistically yeah, yeah. an I mean, option. That, the, we're kind of – I don't want to say we're not – I don't want to say we're looking too far ahead, but we might be because, again, I think that the next logical step is to send him down to Lehigh Valley mm-hmm. to play for, I would say, at least 10 games. And then, like, depending on – and then after that, I'm sure he'd be reevaluated for coming up to either the NHL or staying down there to get more acclimated to, like, playing again and then – depending on where the Flyers are at at that point, maybe call him up and bring him on for a playoff run. But the next step for him, I think, is, A, I don't – is he even cleared for contact? Yeah, he's been wearing normal contact jerseys at practice. All right. So, yeah, but – so that's that's the first step, obviously, which is really good to see. And then the next step is where I believe they'll send him down to the Phantoms for the conditioning stint. I'd say he plays at least 10 games – and then it's uh, from there where it's like you see how he does, see what he does, how he's feeling, all that kind of stuff. And then you see where the Flyers are at, maybe call him up, and then we go from there. But I think the the Carter deal definitely could would makes a lot more sense now when you kind of think about it more, think about Patrick's situation. And if they can find a way to have L.A. retain a good amount of that salary, then it would definitely help the Flyers. Um, the only other target that I found potentially, and another thing from Jordan Hall just about a couple hours ago, actually, that I found was, um, Jean-Gabriel Pajot from the Senators, but, (laughs) all right, based off of your facial expression, I can tell you don't like this, but I'm going to read it anyway, just, just to give the people some more info. (laughs) I I don't think he's good. I don't. Yeah, I'm just. I my. I don't really have an opinion on it. I'm just trying to give give you some information. But um, so 
from, again, Jordan Hall, his article is saying that Ottawa would want a sizable return for Pajot and the Flyers are not in an ideal position to land his services. Um, the Senators are likely not going to consider retaining salary to help necessitate a deal for their big chip, so a trade would require the Flyers to clear cap space, which would require some legitimate subtraction. Uh, not only that, but Ottawa could also very well eye a first or second round pick and possibly a prospect as well. That being said, I think this wouldn't be a good deal because I feel like the Flyers would end up overpaying for someone who is not worth as much as they might have to give up for him. All that for Jean-Gabriel Pajot? And That's here, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, this, this doesn't really, like, I think it's more of like a, here's, again, it's more of like a, a perspective look at a trade, but... He only has a career high of 43 points that he set three years ago. So, but he has also played for the Senators. So, I mean, it yeah. could be one of those. It could be one of those things where, like, uh, I mean, I'm obviously, I don't. I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to what I want to say here. I guess thinking out loud, but it could be like a diamond in the rough kind of thing where change of scenario, change of scenery, change of team could kind of like help but again just throwing it out there for you your initial reaction didn't seem positive at all so i can just just, stop talking about it (laughs) i I don't want to give up a first second in prospects or jean gabriel pajot who's been on a couple okay senators teams and really comparable if you can the most player he's comparable to is matt bolesky who had one really good year for the ducks where he scored a lot of goals and had low assists and then got traded trade at a deadline when the Ducks were ass. Signed a huge oh. ticket in Boston to be the Milan Lucic replacement. And later that year was sent down to the minor leagues. And that's where he's remained ever since. Yikes. Um, I think Peugeot's hoping to cash in big on free agency. And uh, I hope the rest of the league sees what he is. Because, you know, I mean, I, I no ill will towards the dude. If you get paid, good on you. Get paid. But do not get paid by my Philadelphia Flyers team. Um, and also, I, I don't, he's not attractive. He's not what the Flyers need. Um, he's more of a bottom six forward who's all of a sudden, because he's playing with, you know, Brady and Chuck, he's going to have better numbers. Yeah. So, again, yeah, yeah, no. I do not want Sean Craybill Pacho on this Flyers team. And if they trade for them, I will personally find Chuck Fletcher and be like, bruh. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> In the words of Simon Cowell, it's a no from me. It's a no. That's a no from me. Yeah. So, hey, I just wanted to throw it out there, though. Hey, but, no, um, it's, it's, we have to give the people all the information. Exactly. Um, with that being said, um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to do a little rundown here of some notable deals that have gone down. Uh, in the recent days, um, and if you'd like to hop in after I announce the transaction, feel free to do so and give your thoughts. So, um, did you just touch on this last week? Um, Jason Zucker getting traded to the Penguins? No, we did not. I think the trade All didn't right. happen until after we recorded last week. Gotcha. So, on February 10th, uh, the Penguins acquired forward Jason Zucker from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for forward Alex Galchenyuk, defenseman prospect Kaden Kalen Addison, 
and a first-round pick in the 2020 NHL draft or 2021 NHL draft. So, thoughts? I mean, good good for the Penguins. Um, Jason Zucker is not a bad player. Um, he's never played with a person of Sidney Crosby's ilk before in Minnesota. Um, so, instantly you're throwing him with Crosby and... I just picked him up on fantasy because, holy hell, I knew he'd take off, and that's what he's done. He's been scoring yeah. goals left and right. Um, it, it's a good fit for the Penguins. It, 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 the rich get richer. Um, and uh, Jim Rutherford found a way to improve this Penguins team, which you think on paper you go, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Yeah. And, and then they're like, okay, and Jay Gensel's hurt. Brian Dumoulin's hurt. And you go, okay, they shouldn't be this good, but they've got Tristan Jari, who's having a career in net. They still have Matt Murray as the other goalie, and they've got Crosby and Malkin, who have been both super versions of themselves this year. And, you know, the return, Minnesota gets a really good defensive prospect in Addison back from the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, they do get a draft pick, which is always valuable for a franchise who's going to be rebuilding, and Alex Galchenyuk is in, is an interesting is an interesting player. Um, taken third overall the year of his draft, um, the same year that Neil Yakupov, his buddy, was taken first overall by the Oilers. Um, and Galchenyuk just really he I doesn't pan out. I I don't know if the Montreal Canadiens ruined him because his second year in the league he did have I think thirty five goals. Yeah. And was playing well, and then he hasn't been able to figure it out since then. Goes to Arizona last year, has not a great year. And then, you know, Montreal saying thanks for Max Domi. Um, and then, he, you know, he's the main piece in that Phil Kessel trade that Pittsburgh gets back. And you would think, okay, Galchenyuk, struggling player, needs to get a right step on his career, get it on track. Let's send the Penguins where he can be either a third line center or play wing with Crosby or Malkin. This might be what he needs to get his career going in. And womp, womp, womp. And here we are again. Now he's shipped off to the dumpster fire Minnesota Wild, who are actually kind of back in things in the Western Conference now. Um, yeah, and I'm just wondering. He, he is a UFA after this season. And I'm wondering do you think he runs back home to the motherland? back to Mother Russia to play in the KHL. Because so far, based on what I've seen from him, he's one of those fringe guys who can't play in the NHL, but is too good for the American League, and he'll go over to the KHL in Russia, and he'll be a star. Yep. And it sucks because, you know, Gouch, we all thought he had potential to be something really good because he was really good. He chose to play for America that year in the World Juniors when John Gibson was the goalie, when they won the World Junior Championship a couple years ago, and you just thought, Man, this kid is going to be it, and he just hasn't panned out, along with a lot of his draft class. That draft we thought was going to be good, and a lot of those players who were picked have not panned out whatsoever. I believe Yakupov was first, then Ryan Murray went to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then it was Alexander Galchenyuk. Yakupov's in the KHL. Ryan Murray is either on the injured reserve or is a bottom pairing defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. And Alex Galchenyuk is always having to pack his suitcases. Yep. So that's my thoughts on that trade. Good for <laughs> Pittsburgh. It's good for both teams. You know, you yeah. get you get a good chip in Minnesota. 
in Kalen Addison and the draft pick in in a in a kind of a, in a wild card in Galchenyuk, and then Pittsburgh gets Jason Zucker, a winger to play with Crosby, and right in the perfect time when they're trying to make playoffs. So benefits both sides. It does. It was a, a um, good hockey trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, moving on here, um, just a quick thing. I'm not going to go through all of these because some of them are more significant than others, I would say. But um, I'll just go over the notable ones from here. So next up are a pair of trades from February 16th. Um, the New York Islanders acquired defenseman Andy Green from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for a 2021 second-round draft pick and defenseman prospect David Quenville. Thoughts? Um, it's interesting. Uh, New Jersey is clearly, you know, going full rebuild, full re- rebuild mode now. Um, getting rid of their captain, who's about to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, gets David Quinville is a, you know, an okay defensive prospect. Um, they get a draft pick out of that, and um, you know, it helps boost the Islanders. And Andy Green's going to go from being a top pairing defenseman on New Jersey to being. You know, a, a you know a, a five, you know a, a four five guy mm-hmm. with the Islanders, and the Islanders just lost Ryan Pollock, so you just pretty much you're taking out Ryan Pollock and inserting Andy Green. Uh, it kind of is like a, a, a patch on a tire there for the Islanders. Yeah. So overall, it, it's a good trade. I don't think Andy Green is very good, and he has been very good for a couple of years now, but he's still serviceable. Uh-huh. So overall, and and a. In a good trade, I think, for both teams. Gotcha. And then uh, that same day, and the same New Jersey Devils team, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning acquired forward Blake Coleman from New Jersey in exchange for forward prospect Nolan Foote in the first-round pick in the 2020 or 2021 NHL draft. Thoughts again on that trade? The New Jersey Devils got more. This one was weird because it got denied at first by reporters and then they're like wait just kidding it's gonna happen well it got denied at first because originally it was reported that coleman was being sent to the avalanche that's what it was and then the avalanche report we were like no that that did not happen and then (laughs) the trade got announced to tampa bay and what i find funny about this trade is that the new jersey devils got more for blake coleman than they did for Taylor Hall. Yep. Which is very, very surprising. Taylor Hall, former MVP of the league, first overall pick. They got a couple later round draft picks and a couple mediocre prospects for um from the Arizona Coyotes. Unacceptable. Blake Coleman gets you Nolan Foot, the son of Adam Foot, who's having a great year with Kelowna. Um, and you get the first round pick is the pick that Tampa Bay got from Vancouver in the JT Miller trade, which is top three protected. Um, but you know, and it gets New Jersey, you know, a good prospect and foot who they can add into their group of forwards going forward, uh-huh. forwards going forward. Um, yeah. and also gets them a good draft pick. And then Tampa Bay, again, the rich get richer. Blake Coleman's got. 20 some on goals and 10 assists. He's having a career. He's, you know, he's a sniper and he's going to go, he's going to fit right in in their middle six of their lineup. He's not going to be a top line forward for the lightning, 
but he's going to fit in on their second and third line. And it's just another weapon to the hottest team in the league. And the rich get richer. So, somehow, some way, the really, really good teams find a way to make themselves better. And that's what happened here with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Good analysis. I like it. Uh, next up is probably the, I would say, the probably the biggest one so far before the deadline, uh, before things really heat up uh, before Monday's deadline. Uh, yesterday, the Canucks traded... Yesterday? No, two days ago, sorry. Um, Monday, the Canucks acquired forward Tyler Toffoli from the LA Kings in exchange for forward Tim Schaller, the rights to forward Tyler Madden, a 2020 second-round draft pick, and a 2022 conditional draft pick. Just after, just days after Tyler Toffoli became the first player to score a hat trick in an outdoor NHL game. Yeah, um, Toffoli... Um, is going to go in, and he's going to plug Brock Besser's slot in the lineup. Brock Besser's out for injury. Canucks think he's done for the rest of this year, for the rest of the season. They're hoping he's back for playoffs in the time being. Toffoli slots right into play on the top line wing spot with with uh, Elias Peterson, and I forget who's playing the other wing slot on that line there. Um, but overall, a really good move for Vancouver. Toffoli gets reunited with one of his best friends and Tanner Pearson. They came up with the Kings together, won those cups together. We're kind of we're kind of like that big youth movement for the Kings second cup. Um, and overall, and then Van, and then the Kings, you know, they they get some draft picks, they and they get a couple prospects to help them on their rebuild. Again, a good overall trade. Um, the prospects heading to, to the Kings, I don't know much about them, but but from based on what I've seen on a hockey Twitter. All the mm-hmm. big-time beats seem to say, good trade, so I'm going to back them up and say, good trade. Cool. Uh, next I've up always we liked have... Tyler Foley too. He was kind of a sleeper I had, hoping like the Flyers could have gotten someone. Yeah. It would have been nice to have gotten him. Well, there was, yeah, there was a mention of the Flyers being in the mix for him in, I think it was Elliot Friedman, uh, one of his thoughts. 31 Thoughts articles, but that's not going to happen now, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Next up, we have a trade from yesterday. The Washington Capitals uh, acquired defenseman Brendan Dillon from the San Jose Sharks for a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 conditional third-round pick. And this was kind of ironic because I believe the Sharks game either, I think it was the night before or two nights before, uh, post-game, they when they were interviewing Brendan Dillon, they're like, do you think this was your last game as a Shark? And he got emotional because I think he's been there his whole career. No. Um, he was originally a Dallas Stars prospect and played a couple uh, years for the Stars, and he got uh, traded to the Sharks. But he's, he's been he's, he's been spent with more time with majority. the Sharks than he has yeah, the Stars. Yep. But, and then, I mean, yeah, so he was a def- – he's been a he's been a Sharks mainstay for uh, yes. the past few seasons, and – um, it's probably tough to uh, have a guy like that leave the team, but uh, um, I did see a brief snippet of an interview with him the other day about being traded to the Capitals, and he seems very excited to join um, a contender, I would say, um, in possibly winning a Stanley Cup. So um, I'd say that's a good trade for both teams. The Sharks are definitely... Uh, bottom of the barrel this season, I'd say, mm-hmm. and are going to have their, have had, and also will have their 
own problems um, coming up with guys. Like, they just seem like they're just kind of irrelevant at this point for the most yep. part with guys like Joe Thornton basically being not washed up but just old now where he's getting to the, the tail, tail end of his career. Um, lost Joe Pavelski to the stars. Just goaltending situation is kind of – just messed up like they they're mm-hmm. definitely gonna go i can see them going into rebuild mode sooner than later here probably after this season i would say but um dave what do you think about this trade uh color me surprised every trade <laughs> line the past couple of years the washington capitals have gone out and acquired a defenseman who has amazing analytics yep and <laughs> oh i guess it's 2020 so the capitals are gonna do the same thing again and they just gave up a couple of draft picks, so no big prospect loss. Dylan's a big physical defensive-minded forward. He's probably going to play on their third pair, maybe be a number four guy in a pinch if needed. Um, and overall, just a, a good pickup and good for San Jose to get something for an asset that was going to lead them in free agency. Gotcha. And then um, the last one I have here, again, There are more trades that have happened. You can go on NHL.com and look at the full trade tracker, but we're just kind of going over the highlights here. This one from earlier today, uh, defenseman Alec Martinez was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights from the LA Kings uh, in exchange for a second-round pick in the upcoming NHL draft and a second-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft. Uh, The 2021 pick was acquired by Vegas in a trade with the St. Louis Blues. Martinez is expected to make his Golden Knights debut tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Vegas. Um, He has one season remaining on a six-year contract, has eight points in 41 games this season, and injured his wrist on November 24th, 25th. uh, All this according to NHL.com. Martinez also scored the game-winning, the Stanley Cup-winning goal uh, in double overtime of Game 5 against the New York Rangers in 2014. Um, that's obviously a, a huge moment for his career for the, uh, not the, the Tampa Bay, uh, the LA Kings as a team. Um, so he hasn't had the best year this season points-wise, but again, it could be one of those things where analytic analytics-wise, he's a good defenseman. Uh, he's always kind of been a name that you always hear of. Um, I think he's been with the Kings his whole his whole career. Yep, entire career. So, I mean, he's been a he's been a guy where you've you've heard his name every so often come up with the Kings, and now he's on the move and finds a new home in Vegas. Uh, not a bad place to get traded. No, no, not at all. Um, it's kind of I'm a little bit surprised with the return. Um, that LA got, I think they maybe could have gotten a little bit more for Martinez. Maybe if his stats were better this year, because only having eight points in 41 games is rough. Um, like woof bad. Um, but he is an aging offensive defenseman. So they tend to have a little bit of a, a quicker, you know, dive off the cliff there. Um, but he's still been serviceable. Um, and again, the Kings have just been bad this year. They've been really bad. I can't say how bad they've been this season. Um, and even going back to last year. Um, so, you know, and he's a UFA again, getting, he's in his young, early thirties. So he's asked, he's past the prime of his career. Um, he's, he'll be a good fit for Vegas. 
you know, I think he's going to be a third line, again, a third line pairing, offensive mind defenseman. He's going to help their power play. He's going to help their five on five offense. And again, I keep on saying this, but the rich get richer. Um, while Alec Martinez isn't the player he used to be, and he's not quite the flashiest name to the average hockey fan, unless you know you watch hockey all the time and have been watching hockey for years, and you know, of course, about that double overtime Stanley Cup winning goal that he had, um, which I watched at Winter Sport back in the day because I had to work closing shift that night. Um, yeah, overall, just I think it's a solid trade. I think maybe if his stats were better, the Kings could have gotten more for him. And they might have gotten more from them if they didn't trade within their own division. Because the, the Knights and the Kings are kind of become new like rivals now. Because um, the Kings kind of used to consider Vegas like they're, they're almost their second home. They used to always play a preseason game there before. And they had a lot of Kings fans in Vegas. And now that Vegas has come into the league and they play each other in the playoffs, um, it's a very a much heated rivalry. So... Um, Overall, is it a good trade? Yeah, it's a good trade. Anytime you can get second-round picks for a leaving asset who's aging, that's good because with the talent of the hockey players now in today's society, in today's world, that are coming in, you're seeing guys who get drafted in the second round who are in the NHL you know, the next season. It's not unheard of to say, oh, a second-round player made his team his rookie year. Some guys are that good, and some guys fall down from the first. You can get a fr- sometimes first round talents fall in the second round. So mm-hmm. while it's probably going to be a later second round pick, the back to back years because of where Vegas is, in, Vegas is in the standings and how good of a team they are. You still, it's always good to you know to keep that draft cupboard stocked. So solid deal. Cool. Uh, and then with that being said, here uh, we'll switch gears here. Um, and go around the league. With we some, should probably take some notable quick, news. We should probably after take this ad break. Yes, it's been we've gone a little long for an ad read, but we'll <laughs> throw it in here and we'll come back to around the league news. And we are back here at five minute major radio. Um, Matt, so I will again hand you the talking pencil because that's what Thank I have you. in my hand here. Um, and we can go around the league. Oh, let's do it. So we're going to switch gears here and become a Washington Ca- Capitals podcast for a couple segments here. What? But uh, first up, we have um, the great eight. Alex Ovechkin uh, is two goals away from his career 700th goal. Um, he's been scoreless in five straight games but we'll have another chance to do so and get that record on home ice when the Washington Capitals face the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night. Uh remains stuck on 698 goals after being held without a point in five straight games. His longest drought since he went six games without a goal from December 19th to the 31st in 2018. So, um... Before I move on, I'll preface all this by saying that all this information is courtesy of NHL.com. Uh, we're not trying to steal anything. We're just giving people the facts. No pleasure. So, a um, couple gems of a quote here from Ovechkin. So uh, he scored 32 goals in 49 games against the Canadian Canadians, including one in Montreal on November 15th this season, and seems to enjoy playing against them. 
On Wednesday, Ovechkin was quoted saying, I always have fun to play hockey, you know. Um, <laughs> and then, again, um, Ovechkin dismissed the suggestion that his pursuit of the 700-goal milestone might be becoming a distraction. Again, he was quoted saying, I don't think somebody think about it, he said. If it happens, it happens. It's just a matter of time. Tomorrow, after tomorrow, whatever. We're focusing right now to get our game better, to secure a playoff spot, and then we'll move on. So, a um, couple good quotes there from Ovi, where it seems like he's more worried about getting his team back on track than he is about himself. Uh, definitely a good captain move, good vet move, and uh, I don't doubt that he'll hit the 700 mark sooner than later. Could happen Thursday, could happen after that. He doesn't seem like he's too worried. Um, moving on to more trade-related news, um, Washington Capitals GM Brian McClellan reiterated Wednesday that there's no plan to trade goaltender Braden Holpe. Uh, Holpe, I believe, is a free agent after this season. He is. And that'll raise another question of whether they're not they're going to re-sign him with their rookie goalie, Ilya Samsonov, um, coming. Did he? He's Has he played this year? He's been their backup. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, actually, he's I actually thought. been their right. 1B goalie, and he's got better numbers than Holtby. And I wouldn't be surprised if Samsonov is the starter come the playoffs. So hold that thought, though, because it says, uh, with contracts t- contract talks on hold until after the season, Holtby's future remains uncertain. But it's clear Washington isn't ready to pass the torch to Samsonov just yet. So we'll see what the deal is come playoffs. But it doesn't sound like they're ready to pass the torch to him just yet from the article. Um, moving you know, on. Oh, all right. Maybe not. I mean, it all, real quick <laughs> thought. All right. It all depends on how much money Braden Holpe wants. Because Samsonov, based on my viewing of Capitals hockey this year, has proved he's ready to be a starter in this league. And he will be an elite goalie because other than Carter Hart, the past couple of years, Samsonov was the goalie that people said, watch out for this guy too. He is the next great Russian goalie. And Carter Hart's the next great Canadian goalie. It's going to make the Flyers-Capitals rivalry even better for the foreseeable future here. So, that being said, I guess the writer of the NHL.com article that we use for this information doesn't think the Capitals are ready to pass the torch yet. But if Braden Holpe goes, I want Carey Price money. I want want Sergei Bobrovsky money. The Capitals are going to go, hell no, because they don't have the space. They have to trade up a lot of their good team and make that work. And why do it when you have Samsonov right there waiting? And the goalies that they have for the Hershey Bears are good enough to be, you know, probably a backup to Samsonov. Or there's a there's a pretty good goalie market, I believe, this UFA free agency period time. So who knows? Matt, I hand you back the talking pencil. <laughs> Thank you. Um, gears here uh, to some injury news with our uh, star, Connor McDavid. Um, he's... Still has no timetable for when he's going to come back. Um, he's missed his he's missed five games with a left quad injury, um, and actually, so Edmonton is three one and zero in four games he's missed. Uh, I think the Oilers are playing tonight. Let me just double check. 
that's tomorrow, sorry. Yeah, they're actually playing Boston right now. Uh, so that's his fifth game he's missing. Let me get back to the news here. There we go. All right, back to that. Uh, so Oilers coach Dave Tippett said Wednesday, uh, I talked to him, McDavid, for a minute this morning. He's getting some treatment, working out with the guys. He's in good spirits. Uh, the Oilers announced the injury February 11th, expecting McDavid to be out two to three weeks. Um, and it's been one of those scenarios, kind of like the Crosby-Malkin situation, where with McDavid out, even for just five games now, uh, Leon Dreisaitl's been on a tear. Uh, he's super Leon. Yeah, he's, I believe he, he, last time I saw, he was five points from 100 points. Um, and it's I think it's one nothing Boston right now in that game. But You are I mean, correct. This one nothing Boston. Dreisaitl's done his his uh, his part to stand up and all that kind of stuff, so that's been awesome. Um, oh, <laughs> he's leading the league right now with 95 points. Second place is Nathan McKinnon and David Pasternak with 82, and then Connor McDavid is in, in um, I guess, third, quote-unquote, with 81 points. Damn. So yeah, he's been, he's definitely been picking up the slack. I, I need to see how many games Drysdale has played because that is ridiculous. Um, should I move on quick? <laughs> I'm pulling up the lower stats here right now. Drysdale right. has 95 points in 59 games. Jeez. Holy. <laughs> 34 goals and 61 assists. Yeah, he's good. I'd say he's good. Yeah, and Connor McDavid's got 81 points in 55 games. He's so I'd say they're both pretty good. That That's <laughs> your next Crosby-Malcolm duo right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And then back to, back to things here. So uh, out of St. Louis, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko practiced with the Blues again Wednesday. And the forward status could dictate how they are approaching the trade deadline on Monday, uh, general manager Doug Armstrong said. Uh, the forward, who's been skating regularly on his own and with other injured Blues skater, practiced with the Blues for the third time in two weeks. His progression, oh, wow, I lost control there. His progress has been encouraging since dislocating his left shoulder against the LA Kings on October 24th. So... Sounds like a kind of a similar situation to Nolan Patrick, where with Tarasenko missing so much of the season, it's a matter of if they want to move someone to bring in someone else or wait and see what happens. But not sure. Thoughts, Dave? It'll be interesting (laughs) to see what goes on there. I mean, the Blues are a deep enough team. Um, They're right now... They're leading their division. They've got 76 points and are leading the Central Division. So um, they're not really in any hurry to do anything, although they are 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. They did win their last game. Um, if Tarasenko comes back, that's a huge boost to their team. But I think they might just say, hey, listen, Vladimir, relax. Chill out for a little bit. We're doing fine. Yep. Let's get you healthy. And come playoffs, you can come be beast mode. Good. I like that thinking. Uh, some big news out of Toronto. Um, a big blow to the Maple Leafs, uh, who have been, I believe, been struggling lately. Um, 
Forward Andreas Janssen is out for the remainder of the season after having knee surgery earlier today. Uh, he's expected to need six months to recover, so uh, he's not going to be Yikes. playing anytime soon. That's that's a huge blow to the Maple Leafs. And yeah, right now they're four, five, and one in their last ten. They are currently on a two-game losing streak. Uh, Frederick Anderson, since returning from injury, has not been good. Um, the Leafs got absolutely spanked by the Penguins last night. Um, and the game before that, to, I forget who they played, but it was not good. Steve Dangle is very, very unhappy right now. Um, you know, Toronto is severely underachieving. They're only 31-22-8 with 70 points in 61 games played. And you would think with their roster of forwards, they would be better. And they're not. And Janssen's been a key, key top six forward for them this year. Um, and many people consider him to maybe be a trading chip to use because he is an RFA come this season, as mm-hmm. is Kasperi Kapanen, who I have the Flyers asterisk to go try and get because all hail his father, Sammy. Um but it it'll be interesting. You know, Toronto was like a, before I lost my train. I thought they were talking about the Capitans. Um, Janssen was rumored to be a a trade piece for the Leafs to use to go out and get another defenseman back in the fold to help booster their their season and their run in the playoffs. And now with him hurt, that that really hurts. With hurt hurts. Uh, their uh, their chances of adding in a you know a, another defenseman on their roster to help solidify their team and I don't think Toronto wants to trade Kasperi Kapanen just because of how good he is and they can't afford to lose him with Johnson being on the IR. Agreed, agreed. So uh, that's that's it for NHL news. But uh, some hockey news we have we're celebrating an important anniversary. Uh, on Saturday, if you didn't see or haven't heard, Dave, um, I believe that's Saturday. Let me just check before I make a fool of myself here. Yep, sa- uh, yeah, Saturday, the 22nd. So, on February 22nd, 1980, perhaps the most iconic sports sport, sporting event, not just hockey game, sporting event in history, went down as the outmatched, outgunned, complete underdog United States of America ice hockey Olympic team defeated the juggernaut Soviet Union at the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. And Saturday will mark the 40th anniversary of perhaps the greatest event in sports history. Thoughts on the occasion, Dave? Uh, I do have a no free ads, but I do have a promotion that I would like to run by you in case you didn't know. Um, but thoughts on your thoughts on the game before we move forward? Oh, no, it's just an awesome event for just being a hockey fan and being a sports fan of the United States of America, the greatest country on planet Earth. Um, undermatched a team of, this is back when the Olympics didn't use pros, so they're using college athletes against you know, a borderline professional team in the Soviet and that was fielded by the Soviet Union, a team in the Soviets that was demolishing NHL All-Star teams and demolished the Americans in a pre-tournament game at Madison Square Garden weeks before the Olympics. 
Um, and it's a great overall moment. It's, uh, you know, I, I've watched the game in real and in real life on YouTube <laughs> now. Um, I've talked to my grandparents. I've talked to my aunts and uncles who witnessed it live. Um, with even one of my aunts admitting that she had a crush on Micah Ruzioni when she was a, a young girl. Um, it, it was something that this country was going through a very, very rough period in 1980. Cold War in full effect. Things not going well with the economy. War. Jimmy Carter's president. Um, and it's something that to the to the majority of the country, this was not just a hockey game. This was a political statement. Yep. And the boys showed up. Um, and it's something that I always like to pay homage to by, of course, watching the no free ads, but the wonderful Walt Disney movie Miracle with um, <laughs> Kurt, Russell. With Kurt Russell as Kerr Brooks um, and how fitting that I will be watching college hockey this Saturday at State College as the Penn State Nittany Lions take on the Minnesota Gophers, which is the former team that Herb Brooks used to coach. R.I.P. So it's it's overall a fantastic day. Um, I I can watch Miracle year round. I don't need an excuse to watch that movie, um, but I'll definitely make sure I'll try and find a way to watch it while I'm up at State College. There you go. So I actually have a, a couple interesting tidbits here from uh, Chris Peters, an ESPN staff writer. He actually took a look at some of the numbers behind the uh, behind the game and leading up to it. But I'll start with this quote that he has at the beginning of his article, again, from Chris Peters of ESPN. So Al Michaels' opening lines for the, uh, I believe, ABC broadcast of the mm-hmm. game. Uh, what we have at hand is the rarest of sporting events, an event that needs no buildup, no superf, no surplus. Oh, my God, I can't talk. I'm ruining this. I'm sorry. No superfluous hard. adjectives. There we go. I had to sound that one out. Uh, in a political or nationalistic sense, I'm sure this game is being viewed with different perspectives, but manifestly, it is a hockey game. So, And then, of course, that's before the game, and in the closing seconds of that victory over the Soviet, Soviet Union is perhaps one of the most iconic uh, I- iconic calls in sports history, giving me chills every time, even just reading it now. The Do you believe in miracles as the U.S. cemented their victory in that game? Um, but again, some numbers looking at that matchup here. So, uh, the Soviets had won each of the previous four Olympic gold medals in hockey and 12 medals in the 16 world championships they played in between 1961 and 1979. The Soviets also won all 12 matchups with the United States between the 1960 and 1980 Olympics, outscoring the Americans 117 to 26. Yikes. Even... Even when the U.S. had NHL players playing for it in the 1976 Canada Cup, it lost to the Soviets twice, outscored 9-2. And then again, the Soviets' infamous 10-3 blowout exhibition win too close to close out the 1980 U.S. team's pre-Olympic tour at Madison Square Garden just one week before the Olympics game Olympics played began. I can't talk tonight uh, again, but anyway... Um, Here's some also some metrics behind the game, some analytics for you, Dave. Here you go. In all situations, the uh, the Soviets had 52 shot attempts, while the U.S. recorded just 25, which meant that the Soviets had 67.5% of the total attempts. Uh, when taking that same statistic and looking at only 5-on-5 five five situations, 
the Soviets held a 46 to 21 shot attempt advantage. AKA all hail <laughs> Jimmy Craig. Yep. Um, but this article is really cool. It, it looks at a lot of different aspects, um, numbers wise, history wise, everything surrounding the game. I think um, we should uh, sauce it up on the, on, on, on the Twitter and the Facebook. Yeah, I could do that. Um, but it's just insane how you look at just with the technology with we have with statistics nowadays compared to that game. You just realize how much of an improbability it was that that team was going to beat the Soviets. And it just makes you think about, holy shit, we <laughs> were completely outmatched. But, I mean, it's it's anything else where it just comes down to who's the better team that one game. And, the I mean, again, it was what uh, Herb Brooks, if we played him ten times, they might win nine. I was just going to say that quote. So, I mean, that's all you need is and one I'm, game. I'm going to have to and... watch Miracle tonight so we can get off recording. <laughs> Um, All you need is one game, and that one game just has been the, again, the one of the most icon- iconic sporting events in history that there ever will be, no matter from here until the end of time. Just you'll always look at that game and think about how crazy it was with everything surrounding it politically. Again, it was just a hockey game, but it was so so much more. Oh, so, it's, so much more, and it's a movie. I like to think of Macho Macho Man, but being how much of a hockey fan I am, uh, I always cry at the end of that movie yeah. just because it gets you. And I love the fact how Disney, when they used it, um, they had Al Michaels come in and actually re-record all of his play-by-play from that Olympic period, except oh, really? except for the "We Believe in Miracles" line. They took the original audio and used that because. Al Michaels even admitted himself in a feature, which I think is on YouTube. I know it was on the D- the old DVD back in the day that he could not recreate the emotion in having to re-say that line. So Disney yeah. went back and used his original audio. Um, it helps also owning ABC. You know, they, they, they can do that thing. Um, but man, just at that moment right there, the way Disney built up with the script and the emotion, uh, cue the waterworks for me. It, it's mm. something that just... Yeah, there's some things in life that get you and go, God damn, I wish I could have been there to witness that. And this this just being just me, you know, an average 28-year-old American hockey player and fan going, holy hell, you know, this is something powerful. And um, rightfully so, you know, rest in peace, Herb Brooks and some of the great players. And a lot of the players involved in the 1980 team are still involved in hockey today, a couple of whom are still coaching in the NCAA or working with the NHL in some um, various form of degree. And also, um, fun fact for tonight, uh, Jack O'Callaghan did a ceremonial puck drop at the United Center just before the Blackhawks-Rangers game, and uh, Patrick Kane took the face-off being basically the greatest American-born player in history, and I think Callahan basically threw the puck right at Kane, so that the whoever the Black Hawk, uh, whoever the Ranger was that was taking the face off had no chance to get the puck. <laughs> so the American bias was on full effect, as it should be with a, a significant anniversary coming up like this. But um, like you said, a lot of these guys are still working with the hockey world in some capacity, whether it be the NHL, the NCAA, or just hockey in general. So. That that legacy is 
is huge for hockey, for American hockey. Like it's it's paved the way for so many guys that we've seen. Um, I mean, Patrick Kane being a prime example. Where if that game doesn't happen the way it does, who knows what like the ratio of Canadians to Americans, Russians, all that kind of stuff would be today oh, in the it's, NHL. It's one. So it's it was a uh, again. I mean, it was just so iconic where the the re- repercussions have positively impacted everything since that happened. Yeah, it's it's one of those games that um, NHL stars um, Mike Richter of Flower Town, Pennsylvania, that Brian Leach and um, John Leclaire and and uh, Chris Chelios, they all watched that growing up, and that was the spring award for them to use. And a lot of the current day NHL stars like Zach Parise and Patrick Kane and Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter's dad was a member of the 1980 Olympic team. And a lot of those guys then used the 1996 World Cup championship by the American Team. Same same with Zach Parise's dad, correct? J.P. Parise, he's Canadian. I thought he was on the... No. All right, never mind. Um, But you can see the 1980 guys inspire the group that won the 96 World Championship Cup, and then you have the 96 World Championship guys who inspired a lot of the current present-day American superstars. So it, yeah. one thing leads to another, and um, it, it sucks that the U.S. hasn't really had much international success with the men's team in recent years. The women have been kicking ass, which is great for them because women's mm-hmm. hockey is awesome. Um, but there's been a couple events where there's been some really good World Juniors events for the USA, and hopefully those those players springboard it more into Olympic success again. So overall, just a really good time of year to be a hockey fan, obviously, and uh, an event that has to be celebrated every year. Yeah. Good. Very well said. Um, and then the, oh, here we go. So no free ads, but I did get, I saw this on Facebook and my mom just sent me it. Uh, this Friday, the 21st, um, Chipotle, if you don't know what Chipotle is, you live under a rock. But um, it's like Chipotle, I used to work for them. Chipotle announced today a wear your hockey jersey program that offers a buy one get one free deal on entrees or kids meals to in restaurant diners wearing a hockey jersey on Friday. Uh, so what you're saying, Matt, is we're taking a Chipotle trip Friday evening. We can. <laughs> but um, the promotion celebrates the 13th year of Hockey Week across America and also coincides, again, with the upcoming 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. So if you're a Chipotle fan, uh, make sure you wear your jersey to the restaurant. You have to go to the restaurant to get the promotion, but you get a buy one, get one deal on entrees. So you get a BOGO on burritos, anything like that, and wear your favorite jersey, show off your team's colors, and get some Chipotle. No, just ads, don't. But. No, knowing some of you out there, I'm not saying you, Matt, but knowing some of our listeners out there, with how crazy packed full you pack your burritos, you don't want to overdo it and spill that guac on Jersey because guac stains. True. So make sure you bring a Tide to Go stick with you. Maybe take your jersey talk. off while you eat and hang it somewhere. <laughs> that hang it on too, the coat rack if there's a coat rack. That would be a smart idea. But for people who are stubborn like me and spill shit on them every time they go to eat somewhere in public, Tide to Go Sticks are your best friend. Again, no free ads, but... And then also, 
no free ads again. Chipotle is an official sponsor of USA Hockey and is teaming up with some of the nation's top skaters to offer four new exclusive digital menu items. They have the go-to orders for Charlie McAvoy, Hillary Knight, Jack Hughes, and Kendall Coyne Schofield, which will be available on the Chipotle app and Chipotle.com until February 23rd. Again, no free ads, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Chipotle? So you can eat the same Chipotle as some of hockey's biggest stars. Plums, they have bad taste, though. I mean, hey, everyone, everyone has their, <laughs> is entitled to their own opinion and order. Hey, personally, personally, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big bowl guy. Yeah. White rice, no beans, double chicken, hot salsa, and cheese. That's all you need. That's perfection in a burrito bowl right there. That's all Love you need. It. Maybe a little of the smoked Tabasco on there for a little extra pizzazz. Yeah. But as long as that hot salsa, you're good to go. There you go. Uh, that's and we, about we it for me. We need a Chipotle sponsorship now at this point. Yeah. Like all that free ad. We did we three minutes free ads Chipotle. Yep. But hey, I mean, hockey and Chipotle, some of the the best things in life, right there. Just throw throw in a margarita and you're good to go. Oh yeah, I'm in. But uh, that's all I got for this week. I don't know if you have anything else, but I think no, that I just got... about wraps it up for us. Wrap it up like a burrito. Go full circle. Let's go. But uh, <laughs> not looking forward to some meaningful Flyers hockey games uh, coming up here. And obviously, um, Matt, of course, I will, like I mentioned, I will be in State College on Saturday. So um, I don't know. I'm not really going to know my status for being able to watch the Flyers game. So I might need might need to uh, let lend a helping hand here on reporting on that game there. But um I might bring some content from good old Pagula Ice Arena in State College, Pennsylvania, uh, as my Nittany Lions take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But, man, I got nothing else tonight. I'm if good, you're too. good, I'm good. Let's wrap it up. All right. As always, thanks, everyone, for listening and your support. Um, let's go Flyers. God bless America. And we are. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys next week